You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there and welcome to episode 40 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and TSN Radio in Toronto. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors. Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, all in one place on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Uh, It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world, so definitely check it out. Leave ratings, leave reviews on your favorite shows, help support the stuff that you enjoy. Um, And you can also do that with Locked On Raptors. Locked On Raptors has its own iTunes page. It's also on Stitcher. And the easiest way you can help us out and support the show is to leave a rating or a review. It really helps to boost us up the rankings, helps people discover the show, helps expand the listenership, and helps uh, keep people like me honest and uh, doing this every single day. I really love doing this show every day. And uh, any feedback at all would be great and, uh, and totally appreciated. On today's show, it's the existential crisis edition of Lockdown Raptors. Um, this tends to happen after every game where the Raptors lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, as they did last night, 116-112, in a game that uh, got away from the Raptors in the third quarter. They fought like hell in the fourth to kind of bring it back to, to close and respectable, and in the final minute, they were just so annoying and pesky that they almost kind of made it interesting, almost. I mean, the, DeMar DeRozan hit a 3 from the corner, um, but and it would have brought it to two points. I think, yeah, it would have been 114-112 at this point. Um, and DeRozan hit that three, and it was awesome and fun. And then it was reviewed, and it turned out they stepped in the line. Um, this was with, I think, like 20 seconds left on the clock, and the Raptors just really battled and fought hard to sort of get steals. They got an offensive foul late in the in the, in the final minute of the game. I think DeRozan got hit um, by, I want to say, Kyrie Irving, but I can't remember who exactly it was. Um, but yeah, the Raptors really fought hard and were super annoying and pesky and made this a lot closer than it probably was uh, once the fourth quarter and it kind of got going. And after the third quarter explosion by a guy like Kyrie Irving really sort of buried the Raptors. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of, you know, lather, rinse, repeat with the Raptors and the Cavs. This is what happens. The Cavaliers are a better team than the Raptors. People kind of want to seem surprised when uh, when the Cavs do this to the Raptors and beat them. It's not really all that shocking, right? I understand why it's annoying to feel like you're always going to play second fiddle to a team. And you understand that it's uh, it's frustrating. And I, yeah, I totally get that it's frustrating that the Raptors are maybe are kind of a, a piece away from even, you know, being somewhere even associated with the Cavs league. Um, but, you know, I, this is a game that, you know, last night on Twitter, it seemed to be like a very panicky sort of, you know, losing to the Cavs again. Let's be depressed and sad. And you know what? I, I, I do get to that to an extent, as I said. But I think it's it, it's very helpful to take a step back. The Raptors had won six in a row. The Cavs came into this one on a three-game losing streak. And I don't know. I had no... I really did think the Raptors... I, I know I picked the Raptors to win, but I, there was this sort of thing that was in the back of my mind that was just like, the Cavs aren't going to lose four in a row, are they? Like, LeBron James, if he really wants to shut it down, he's going to. Um, so that was my fear, obviously. I, it was my third straight missed pick against the spread. Uh, the Raptors were favorites in this one, which is crazy, and I picked them to cover the one point, but they did not, and uh, I feel kind of dumb for thinking the Cavs were going to lose four in a row under LeBron. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the, always the day. The day after the use of the Cavs is always the day where there's like lots of self-contemplation about the team, and it's standing within the league and the Eastern Conference, and it's sort of a depressing thought that, hey... 
this team is not at the level that the Cavs are. And I don't think there's anything bad about that. I don't think it's indicative of anything the Raptors are doing. I think the Raptors are in an awesome spot. They're like the fifth best team in the NBA. That is a great place to be. There are a lot of teams that wish they were in the position the Raptors are in right now. Um, but, you know, there are just some things about the Cavs that really give the Raptors problems. I mean, first of all, you just have the talent disparity. Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James is an unbelievable top three. And it's hard to guard for everybody. It's not just the Raptors that struggle with the Cavs. It's it's everybody who struggle to guard those three. And, uh, and it's a problem, right? And the Raptors don't really have the horses defensively to sort of counteract a lot of Cleveland's best offensive lineups. We saw last night. Uh, for times they went with the, uh, the 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 LeBron Kevin Love Channing Fry front court, which is you know again it's not guardable for most teams in the NBA, if any. Maybe the Warriors can handle it, but um, you know the Raptors just don't have the horses. They they tried to go small. I thought that was a nice move by Dwayne Casey uh, in the fourth quarter to go small with Patrick Patterson at the five next to Demari Carroll at the four. It allowed for a little bit more switching of those LeBron Love pick and rolls with the LeBron uh, Channing Fry pick and rolls and pick and pops. You know, it's a helpful look, but the Raptors are still a guy short. And, you know, they had DeMar DeRozan out there because he was playing an amazing game. You had Terrence Ross out there who really caught fire in the fourth quarter. He finished with 14 points, uh, 4 of 7 from 3. A couple just, like, very much balls on the table threes in the fourth quarter, if I... uh, if I can be so bold to say that, he just sort of, you know, was like, all right, I'm Terrence Ross. I'm going to pull up from three, and, uh, and you're going to deal with it, and he hit them. Um, so you couldn't really take Ross out because his offense was was so good last night. And DeRozan was obviously, you know, he was 12 of 23 from the field, 31 points. Um, he, he had a great game, and the you just you couldn't really – there's not another guy you could have thrown out there. You know, people – I saw people saying, hey, maybe Norman Powell is a good look to go here. First of all, Norman Powell is not guarding LeBron James, like – We've seen that movie before where we, where, where Casey tries to put Powell on a guy like Carmelo Anthony, for example, or LeBron, or Kevin Durant, and it just it doesn't work. He's not big enough to handle those guys, and uh, that's just kind of the reality of having Norm. If Norm was three inches taller, it would be a way different story, um, and that's a common refrain for me. Like, if only Norm was three inches taller, he would be a monster, but it's just not the case. So the Raptors really struggle to match the defensive match the Cavs defensively they just don't have the horses um, Lucas Noguera had an okay game uh, still sort of spacey on defense here and there but he was a plus 8 and it was it was you know a nice continuation of what he's done lately and Jonas Valanciunas was awful and that sort of plays into this whole thing with the uh, you know the, the problems that the Raptors have with the Cavs you know Valanciunas is an awesome offensive player he was not last night he was only 1 of 8 from the field just looked uncomfortable the entire night um, you know, these awkward turnaround jumpers that just weren't falling. He tried, I think, three or four different jumpers that just you know, they were not going to go down last night. And his defense is bad. He's not a good pick-and-roll defender whatsoever. Um, you know, the Kevin Love and, and Kevin Loves and Channing Fries of the world give him so many issues. And it's just, um, you know, it's just it's untenable for Valanciunas on defense right now. He just can't keep up with that with that team. And I think, you know, this is sort of interesting. The last season in the playoffs, Valanciunas was obviously out. And that, uh, that, that, that that was too bad because of how he was playing in the first couple of rounds, but I think it might have been a blessing for the Raptors uh, against the Cavs. You know, they stole those two games without Valanciunas with Biombo playing heavy minutes at the center. And I think that's kind of the guy that the Raptors could use right now. I mean, I had not a guy who by any means was saying, oh man, Bismack Biombo is going to be this terrible loss for the Raptors because by and large, he's not. By and large, the Raptors have been fine. And Valanciunas has had, you know, he's been up and down this season. He's had some injury things, and I think that was definitely a factor last night. He's definitely dealing with something with that ankle that he uh, rolled last week. 
But, you know, it's um, a guy like Biombo would be really handy to have right now for the Raptors just to, it, for this matchup in particular because of what the Cavs throw out there. And even just, it doesn't have to be Biombo, just another big uh, or like really spry, you know, oversized wing who can sort of switch alongside Patterson and Carroll. That would help too. I mean, the Raptors give up a lot of size in those units when they have Patterson and Carroll next to each other and up against Love and Fry, you're going to lose the rebounding battle a lot of the time, but that's the best look they have right now. So if you were to have sort of a, you know, a very mobile center or a mobile four or even a big, you know, hulking three, a guy like Wilson Chandler would be interesting to me, but we can get to that later in the season because I'm sure I'll talk a lot about Wilson Chandler as a potential trade target, but that's besides the point. A guy like that, a guy who can switch along with Patterson and Carroll when, you know, love LeBron and Channing Fryer out there just causing havoc, that's that's big because, um, you know, the Raptors have proven they can score with the Cavs. Like, this is not a problem. The Raptors have scored with the best teams in the league all season. It's just been locking in defensively. Uh, and getting those extra possessions and extra just sort of, you know, stops on the defensive end that's really inhibited them from being able to overcome these 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 gigantic teams at the top of the NBA standings. I mean, the Raptors have seven losses this season. Three of them are to the Cavs. One is to the Warriors. One is to the Clippers. The other two are to the Kings. We don't need to talk about that. But, you know, it's pretty clear that the Raptors are mostly taking care of business against the teams they should beat. And it's these teams at the top of the, the pecking order that... They just are having a little bit of trouble locking in defensively just to get those extra possessions that can swing a game. And last night, you know, I talked about the defensive rebounding and how, uh, you know, how kind of terrifying the, the Cavs are when they do, you know, collect offensive boards. They had 13 last night, and they turned it into a whole ton of points, and that was bad for the Raptors. You know, Valanciunas rebounded pretty well. Other than that, though, nobody really grabbed any rebounds. Pa- Pascal Siakam only had one in 18 minutes. Damari Carroll had none in 33 minutes. Um, it was a really, it was a struggle for the Raptors to rebound. Patrick Patterson had a nice uh, rebounding night with nine, and he's been pretty good on that end uh, in that regard of the last week or so, grabbing boards, which is not one of his strengths typically. But if he can do that, that makes those uh, four or five combos with him and him and Carroll a lot more useful and and dependable and less of a liability. But yeah, the Cavs they 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 pounded the the offensive glass, and the Raptors just couldn't keep up. And those extra possessions swung the game, and that's just what happens. Um, when you when you can't find those stops. Uh, before I get into the good things for the Raptors, I want to tell you a little bit about Seek. You hate scalpers, right? Like, ticket scalpers are the worst people in the world. They are stinky by and large. They are aggressive. They are shady. I remember one time I tried to buy tickets off a scalper for tickets that I knew were not at all where he was saying, and he was getting very aggressive when I was calling him out and showing him seat maps of where the seats were, and uh, and he was getting aggressive for me calling him out. And uh, so just... Don't deal with ticket scalpers, they're the worst. But with SeatGeek, it's the smartest and easiest way to find tickets for games you want to see up close and in person without having to see a ticket scalper up close and in person. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the tickets you want for a great value without having to talk to scalpers. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone now. I no longer deal with scalpers. I used to, I used to, you know, I used to dabble with the scalpers. You know, it was a, a reasonable way to get tickets on short notice. But you don't have to do that anymore. But you have this if you have the SeatGeek app on your phone like I do. It's the easiest way to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere and with just a few taps. 
instantly find seats for this weekend or any game you want to see this season. You always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And again, no scalpers. Uh, SeatGeek wants to help you by getting the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, something that scalpers do not provide. Uh, you can buy a ticket from a scalper, and if it's a fake, they're off into the night without uh, you, know, you having any chance of getting your money back. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, first download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code LORAPTORS, all one word, LORAPTORS as in locked on Raptors. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LORAPTORS today. All right, let's get back into uh, the opposite of scalpers, Kyle Lowry. Man, he is amazing. Uh, he just, him and DeMar DeRozan last night carried the Raptors, and it's painfully clear that after those two, there's a real talent drop off with the Raptors and a real dependability drop off. You know, Jonas Valanciunas again was awful. He's supposed to be the third option on this team, and he just couldn't cut it last night. And the Cavs, as I said, gave him a ton of problems. Uh, pass, you know, Tristan Thompson played good defense on him as well. And, uh, you know, Lowry and DeRozan really, they battled through a lot of defensive attention. You could see it, like, right from the hop at the start of the uh, uh, of the first quarter. The, they were sending two guys at DeRozan mostly, but also Lowry, and they were finding guys. They're moving the ball along. They weren't turning the ball over. Uh, on the night, Lowry just had two turnovers. DeRozan just had one. The team just had seven on the night, which is huge. Um, considering the amount of defensive attention they were sending at DeRozan in particular, having only one turnover is super impressive and super encouraging going forward if teams are going to continue to do that to them. Um, there just wasn't enough after those two guys to sort of, you know, prop the Raptors up. You know, Lowry had 24 points. He was 4 of 9 from 3, which has been it's a bad night for him shooting threes uh, compared to what he's doing lately. Um, 7 of 14 from the field, just efficient and awesome. Uh, at one point, the Raptors, you know, DeRozan and Lowry had like 26 points on their first 10 shots. Uh, really helped the Raptors stick there in the first first half. Uh, Lowry also had nine assists, three rebounds, one steal. Just a, a typical, very good Kyle Lowry game. DeMar DeRozan, as I said, 31 points on 23 shots. Five assists again. That's, I think, 12 games in a row now with four or more assists for DeMar DeRozan. Um, so if you're looking for positives, just bask in the glory that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan play for the Raptors and are playing at this level because it's really fun to watch them operate right now. Um, and if there's ever any, you know, secondary contributions, which there were some last night. Again, Patterson and Ross had nice games. After that, though, it kind of dropped off a little bit. And, you know, Pascal Siakam had a nice first quarter. He hit a couple jump shots, but uh, the, the Cavs were paying no attention to him and, and he eventually started to not be able to make plays. But, you know, Lowry and DeRozan, when they're operating like this and get any help at all, the Raptors are super tough to beat. And even then, the last night, the Raptors shot 40% from three. They were 13 of 32. Uh, like, there was nothing wrong with the way the Raptors played offense last night. And that's because Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan really fought through some tough defensive attention um, and, and you know, made it happen. It's just, again, the defensive side of the ball. And DeRozan is, you know, culpable in this as well. He had a couple of blow-bys as he tends to do in games and that's a problem but Lowry was tenacious on defense he had a steal in the first quarter 
Uh, I think it was on LeBron. It might have been on Kevin Love, but he sort of just ripped the ball away and went down the court. And it was just in, in this first quarter run where Lowry was doing all sorts of ridiculous things. He hit a three from like 35 feet out just because it was amazing. Um, and Lowry, there were times where he was defending Kevin Love in the post and like actually giving him problems. Like Kyle Lowry's been fantastic on defense this season. If you're handing out like a defensive player of the year award for the Raptors this season, Lowry definitely has to be in the picture. And I mean, point guards don't usually win this award, but Lowry, if you're just watching game to game, just how he's playing defense, he has been one of the best defensive players I've seen this season. Um, you know, he's, he's not, you know, the shutdown guy because he can't guard, you know, bigger guys. He's not Kawhi Leonard, for example, but uh, in terms of point guards, he is playing at like Chris Paul levels of defense so far this season, which is super exciting for the Raptors. But yeah, there was just not enough other contributions going on in this game. Um, and that's kind of the difference. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it, it's it's depressing just sort of knowing that the Raptors are always going to be second to the Cavs until something can be done. Um, you know, trades are great to talk about, but they're hard to complete. They're hard to put together. And they're hard to coerce. It's hard to coerce another team to make a big deal, right? It's, you know, if you're looking at guys who could potentially be available this season to help bring the Raptors near the, the Cavs stratosphere, it's Paul Millsap probably. He's the dream. He has been the dream for a while now. But I don't know if the Hawks are going to give that up. If you listen last week on the Raptors Republic uh, weekly extra podcast with Blake Murphy and Robbie Calland of CBS Sports on, and Robbie was talking about how the Hawks are a team that can't really afford to blow things up because they, they their fans aren't dedicated enough. They can't. They don't have fans who are going to sit there and be loyal through a rebuild, and uh, it, it could really hurt the franchise to to sort of just openly give up on on a season and, and trade away a guy like Paul Millsap before he hits free agency. It'd be lovely if the Raptors could get Paul Millsap. That would solve so many problems. It would you know end this whole starter controversy over Patrick Patterson, who should be starting because. I mean, he's such a, a beast, and if he were starting, you know, the Raptors would be starting games, you know, just, I think, just rolling over teams, just because that, that five with the starters plus Patterson in, in place of Siakam has been such a steamroller this season, but it's the way Casey's been doing it, and you can't really argue with the results overall. You know, last night, the first quarter wasn't what did the Raptors in. The third quarter, yeah, it was bad. He had Valanciunas and Siakam just not look very good at all. Um, but, I mean, that's going to happen against Kyrie Irving and the Cavs, I suppose, when Irving is going off like he was in that quarter. I mean, there's not much you can do anyway. But, yeah, I think Patterson, if you brought in a guy like Paul Millsap, I'm getting off track here, but if you brought in a guy like Paul Millsap, that whole controversy is done. You can sit with Patterson being this super-duper sub off the bench who really anchors the second-unit defense and is a, is a nice fulcrum for everything and a nice uh, not really a fulcrum but a, a, just a safety valve for everything who can just you know shoot his open threes and, and be Patrick Patterson and play good switchy defense um, and, and and there's no more question over what his role is and obviously Paul Millsap would just you know he'd be a reliable third scorer he's a great defender him and Damari Carroll next to each other would switch everything it would be fantastic to watch um, I'm sure that that sort of configuration would have a very much a similar effect to what Patterson does on Jonas Valanciunas where Valanciunas Anchors pretty solid defensive units next to Val- next to Patterson, and I'm sure Millsap would do the same. The guy was third in Defensive Player of the Year voting last season. Um, it's just it would be such a perfect fit for the Raptors, almost too perfect, really. But it's just it doesn't seem super likely. I mean, the, the Hawks are are disaster right now. They've lost like seven in a row. They're ten and twelve after a nine and two start. But I just don't really see that team packing it in based on what people in Atlanta seem to think about the team. 
Um, and it's going to take a, a lot to get him. You know, Terrence Ross has been awesome this season. It definitely takes him because you got to match salaries. Uh, and then pick your poison of what else you got to throw in because there will be a lot asked of the Raptors if they're going to try to trade for Paul Millsap this season. And that's a guy who I think very much would put the Raptors in the conversation with the Cavs. I'm not sure if it puts them ahead of the Cavs just because of what LeBron is and he's a trump card to everything. But I think like a Lowry, DeRozan, Millsap big three is uh, is better than anything that the the maybe those Pacers teams I suppose. But I don't think it. I think it might be better than anything. The, that LeBron has come across in the East over his course of his time as the reigning champ of the Eastern Conference. So that gives you a fighter's chance, I suppose. The other thing is Boogie Cousins, but like that's going to take a lot for the Kings to want to trade Boogie Cousins, especially when he has years left on his deal. He still has value, and he's an immensely talented player who's like shooting like 40% from three now, which is just absurd and not fair. Um, you know, that's another thing that maybe puts the Raptors over. But, you know, until that happens... I think it's okay to be happy with second place. Like, the Raptors, as we've talked about, like, they had their first real successful season last year, making it to the conference finals. The stagnation hasn't gotten there yet. And yes, it's annoying to continually lose to the Cavs, and I think it's amplified by the fact that they had three games against the Cavs in the first month and lost all three. Um, Had the games been more spread out over the course of the season, I'm not sure there's as much sort of uh, existential crises going on with uh, with the with how, with the Cavs and, and sort of the Raptors' place within the Eastern Conference. The Raptors are still a step behind the Cavs, but I still think they're a step ahead of the rest of the Eastern Conference. So that's something to hang your hat on and to be happy with. The Raptors' schedule gets super easy from here, um, so I, I think the winning is going to sort of pick back up and, and sort of help things out. They have games against, like, the Magic and the Nets and the Sixers coming up. They have the Bucks at home. Um, they've got the Wolves Thursday, which will be a fun one. They've got the Celtics. That's sort of their big measuring stick game. Uh, kind of the last one before Christmas uh, when they play the Celtics on Friday. That's going to be a lot of fun. Very much looking forward to that. Um, but, yeah, it's just the, the Raptors are the second best team in the East, and that's kind of the way it is. And uh, I don't think it, it requires sort of just, like, looking inward and asking why this all matters. I think you can definitely, you know, derive joy from being the second best team in the East and still hold out the hope. The Raptors have the flexibility, they have the prospects, they have the trade capital to potentially get something done. I'm not saying it guaranteed gets done, but there's the potential there for uh, a pretty big swing to happen at some point. If it's not this season, maybe it's next year once the Kyle Lowry's brought back. You know, you get into an issue with Patrick Patterson and whether he's going to be back next season, but, you know, guys like Pascal Siakam are maturing, Jakob Pertl's maturing. Uh, there's just, there's a pipeline coming up here. Norman Powell as well. There's a pipeline that keeps the Raptors sort of involved in these trade talks going forward, um, even if it doesn't happen this season. And maybe you get an extra year of LeBron being older and maybe a little bit less of a cyborg. Uh, I mean, he got hurt last night, and it was the weirdest thing ever. He was kind of sitting there grimacing in pain, and I don't think I've ever seen that before from LeBron. Um, But, you know, maybe eventually he starts to just sort of take a step back and, and, you know, calms down. I'm less and less confident every day that 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 day is going to come while the Raptors are at this peak, but... Um, the Raptors have a couple more years here in their window. As long as they, they bring back Lowry, which I don't think is going to be an issue, uh, there are a couple more years here for the Raptors to do something. So if it doesn't happen this season, it could happen next year. Um, it sucks that the Cavs are so obviously better than the Raptors, but uh, there's a lot of teams that are dealing with this, with this reality as well, not just the Raptors. The Raptors are in a more enviable, enviable position than every other team in the Eastern Conference right now, just based in you know how they stack up against the Cavs. It's just... It, I'm going in circles now, but that's just kind of how it is. There's no need to panic over a game the Raptors lose to a team that's clearly better than them. 
there's issues about Jonas Valanciunas, and you know, there's I think Ryan Wolstadt today wrote about how Valanciunas might not just not fit with the Raptors, and you know that's a fair question and a fair thing to analyze and and to look forward to, and especially when it comes to the the Cavs matchup. But again, as I've said before this season in these games against these top teams, they're extreme circumstances, and to judge anything on them is tough because it's not the norm. You're going to play these teams a few times a year, and then potentially in the playoffs, it's not. You can't base everything about your team building strategy on one game or or a handful of games against a really good team because really good teams tend to win games and make you look bad. So that's all we got for you today. Um, hopefully everyone's doing all right. Hopefully everyone is accepting of the Raptors' place within the hierarchy of the East, and it's okay. Um, they will be back at it on Thursday. Tomorrow I'm going to do a sort of quarter poll awards podcast with William Liu from Raptors Republic. Uh, so that'll be fun. That'll come out tomorrow. Um, until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. The show is at Locked On Raptors. If you want to advertise with the show ever, email at LockedOnRaptors at gmail.com. Uh, I will definitely uh, see that and, and we'll get in touch about that and get that process started. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Support us. Help us out. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening and have a great night.